Well, let's make this confession. It's what we believe. We tell uh, and speak what we believe, not what other people tell us we need to believe or what our friends say it is, but what we believe is the truth. So let's say this. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I've been getting a few texts from Pastor Bill and Sandy, and I've laughed because... uh, we asked like a hundred questions in our text, as many as we can get in for the cost of the text, and we get absolutely no answers. <laughs> I mean, we get a text back that has nothing to do with what we ask. And Sandy's text, she texts, and then Brad texts, or Brad will text her, and then she texts, and then he texts back and said, I wasn't finished yet. So she's actually interrupting him while she's texting. <laughs> So uh, I don't know if we're harder to deal with or the weather. I'm not sure. But finally, when I, when I did talk in person to Bill, I said, are you getting my text? Because I'm not getting any answers. He said, I answered you. Well, I had said, how hot is it? Because Sandy and I were trying to figure out how hot it was. Because every text says very, very hot. Very, very hot. And so I said, how hot is it? And Sandy went online, and we came up with, an, we, we came up with like 96, or she did, 96, 98. So I, I text Bill, and, and I get back 150. <laughs> I thought he didn't understand that text. That can't be. Maybe he means 15 Celsius. But then I thought, no, that's not hot enough. So what? And then I get another text that says, I misspoke, 175. Finally, that time when I talked to him, I go, did, did you, ma- I mean, what were you trying to say? He said, I was trying to say a joke. I said, well, it didn't translate. I thought maybe something, I thought maybe he'd gotten so dehydrated he was delirious. So uh, I know they're, I know they're having a great time, but the, they just moved from uh, where we finally have light bulb in, on the base where five years ago there was nothing and uh, a fan in one of the rooms to a place where they're doing the conference where there's no electricity, no nothing in this place again. And so uh, just be praying for them. It's very hot. It is 100 degrees or more. And uh, the 98 was at like 8 o'clock at night. That would be when it's totally dark. So it is, you know, we're not born in Africa, so our bodies are not geared to be in Africa. And uh, so just be praying for all of them. And uh, I think they're having a wonderful time because they get to see God be so awesome in the midst of these people. And this is the first conference these people where they are have ever had in the city that they're in. So uh, just it, it's just, uh, you know, that's what you do. You go and, you know, you, you do have to suffer maybe a little bit in some area, but the rejoicing in your heart for what God is doing is um, far greater than the cost that you have to pay. Amen. So uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time tonight. I thank you for the word. Thank you for everybody that's here tonight. And Lord, I thank you that as we hear the word of God tonight, it won't just be a hearing. It'll be a receiving of the word of God, a taking in of the truth of the word of God and a producing on the inside of every person here the fruit of that word, the fruit of the truth, the fruit that brings them victory in every situation. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Well, if you were here Sunday, we talked about, um, revelation of freedom because it was just a revelation that God really gave me while I was in Mexico, uh, has been speaking to me about for a couple months, but I love how God just gives us what we can understand for the moment. And then we get, you know, we get a full understanding of that. And then he adds something else to it. 
And uh, he gave me three parts to this message. Sunday was living dead. And we talked about how when we receive Christ, we die. We die a death that only God can resurrect us from, and he does. And he brings us to life, but we go from being dead in the flesh to alive in the spirit. Not dead in the flesh, excuse me, but dead to the flesh. Now, we may not walk dead to the flesh, but our flesh has no authority and no dominion in the kingdom we live in. And tonight we took communion, and and that's about covenant. And when God saved us, he delivered us from darkness, and he translated us into light. And in that place, I I want you to turn to 2 Peter tonight. We're going to talk about escape corruption. You know, uh, that means uh, this is the answer to what you read in the newspaper. This is the answer to what you see on TV. Because we live in a world that is full of corruption. Even we ourselves, the Bible says, are corruptible, but we put on incorruptible when we die and go to heaven. We change from mortality to immortality. But, but in the flesh, in this earth, we have the ability to escape corruption. And I want to show you what that means tonight. In Second Peter 1, it says in verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You know, There's knowledge in who God is and who Jesus is as his divine power. Jesus' divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many of you are here tonight and you say, I don't know what to do about this. Well, are you living life? Yes. Well, God has given you by his divine power answers to all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Now, that's a big help if you have an area in your life where you're not able to really get the victory in your flesh. How many of you have ever had that problem? You know, no, you don't have to raise your hands. Just, I know you have because I have, and every human being has to fight the fight of faith against their flesh doing what their flesh wants to do. When you get saved, you become a new creature in Christ, but the rest of you has not changed. How many of you had a wake up call to that? You get saved, you go home and you still think what you used to think. And so This is necessary for us to have the victory as we read what God has given us. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Not through our circumstances, not through our situations, but through our understanding or knowledge of who Christ is and who we are in Christ. And then it says, who called us by glory and virtue. By which we have, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Those are given to us because we belong to God. That through these, through what? The great and precious promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, isn't that good? Do, do, you, do you get that? It says that because of Christ, when we have a knowledge of what Jesus did and who we are in Christ, then because of the promises that are in the word of God, not because of our ability, because if you could have done it, you would have already done it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you couldn't do it. And you knew you couldn't do it. You knew that you couldn't keep from following after that lust of the flesh. You knew that in your heart. If, if you could have done that, Jesus wouldn't have had to die because you'd already been perfect. But because of Jesus, because of what was accomplished at Calvary, now through that divine power, through those precious promises, and I'm going to explain this in a minute, that through these, 
you may be partakers of the divine nature. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a divine nature. <clears throat> now, some of you inside are thinking, oh, brother, that was not, that was a misspoken word for sure. No, because you're born again, because you know Christ, you have divine nature living on the inside of you. Now, it may not always be the voice that speaks, but it is there. It is there through the power of God. In fact, God gave me this when I was thinking about it this morning. He said, there's a new sheriff in town, and it's the Holy Ghost. There is a new sheriff in town. Rodney's a deputy. I know they have a lot of authority. Rodney lived in my house once, and I'm telling you, when he dressed up in that SWAT suit, you knew something was good about to happen to the bad guys. I'm telling you, when you belong to God, there is a new sheriff in town. Inside of you, there is a new ruling authority, which we're going to talk about on Sunday. A ruling authority on the inside of you that if you yield to that, if you live dead, if you live dead to that old man, you will reign in this life. And you will escape corruption because that's what it says right here. And it's the promises that cause you to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, you, you know, we, if you weren't here Sunday, we, the whole scripture that we used, the whole part of scripture we used was in John chapter 8. And it, Jesus said, if you're my disciples and you do what I tell you to do, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Everybody say, make you. Why does truth make you? I used to hear set you, and it may say that in another translation, but when I heard make you free, I know that's true. Because I spent a year playing my keyboard and worshiping God, and he made me free. He made me free. I don't know how he did it. I had nothing to do with it, except that I praised him, and I cried a lot. And at the end of it, when it was over, that's pretty easy. The promises of God changed me from head to toe. And I can take no credit for it. But because I can take no credit for it, I know you can do it. I know God can do it in you. Because it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the promises of God. I sang the promises. I, I talked to the promises. I didn't look like the promises. But I said and sang the promises. Till finally it washed me and washed me and washed me. And then I looked like the promises. And that's what God wants to do in your life. And uh, today's the beginning of Lent. And, uh, you know, in my heart, I, I just believe God showed me that every year that I was to examine myself during that season of Lent up to Easter and look at how he has changed me, what he has done in my life to make me be more like him. And, and, and in that, I become so thankful for who he is. By the time Easter gets here, I'm really ready to celebrate. Because it's put my focus back on the fact that without him, I can do nothing. But with him, look what he has done. You know, we used to sing a song called, look what the Lord has done. And then we'd get to dancing. We'd get to have a hoe down in here. Hallelujah. We need to get that song back out. Because some of you are new. And we are looking at what God has done. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are amazing. Hallelujah. What God has done is amazing. No longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
It's not about me. It's about him and who he can make us be. So these promises, when I began to be down there in um, Mexico and I was preaching, I told him on Sunday, and, and if you weren't here in Romans chapter 4, and I know this story. You know, it talks about how Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. But it talks about how God calls those things that are not as though they were. Those things that do not exist as though they did exist. And so as I, I was reading all of that to him and I got over to the who contrary to hope in hope believed. And then I got down to verse 19 and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. And just like that, the Lord said to me, you're dead and I don't want you to consider your body. And suddenly it was like, that's the truth. That's the truth. When I received Christ, second Corinthians five seventeen says I was born again. I became a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? Because I thought I did wrong things after I got saved. Probably none of you did. Probably none of you have. But I did wrong things after I was saved. And so I thought, well, how can that be? Because I still, I still act up. You know, and Pastor Bill, if he were here, would be saying amen. I still act up. Every now and then my flesh gets loose on me. And there it goes, you know, and I have to get it back. And so God, you know, God wants us to live dead. What does that mean? To live like our flesh has no authority and no dominion because we're not in that kingdom anymore. We are not in the world. We are translated into the kingdom of light. And I'll show you that in a minute. But when I read this, I thought, well, that's how he did it. That's how he believed God for what he wanted to see. And then God said to me, and when you live like that, the supernatural is possible in every realm you need it. How many of you need the supernatural in your life right now? How many of you need to see things in the supernatural? We have things we're believing for in this church and in our family. It says, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the, at the, at the, how do you overcome corruption? By the promise. And suddenly it was like, if you believe what I tell you, if you believe my promise and you act dead, you live dead, then you will have the supernatural. I don't want a baby. Hallelujah. But if God gave me one, I take it. But, you know, and I do my best. Hallelujah. In fact, Stanley put on the Internet. Didn't any of you see it? The picture of the baby on Facebook. Yeah, I'm a stalker on Facebook. I don't do Facebook. I just stalk the other people. That's what, that's what Lori calls me. She says I'm a stalker. But so I, I watch what people say. You know, I don't say anything, but I watch other people. And uh, so I saw Stanley on there, and Stanley was holding a little tiny baby. Three months old, somebody threw the baby in the dumpster. So I text Pastor Bill. I said, bring that baby home. I didn't get an answer. <laughs> but that's not unusual. I didn't get an answer to much else either. So, but you know, I, my heart just went out to that baby, you know, and but somebody took the baby and Stanley said, I can't take the baby yet, but if you'll take the baby this to this woman and, and, and bring the baby up to a little where they're walking, I guess, and you know, really can be taken into the orphanage. He said, then I'll take her from there. And, and so what is her name? Blessing. I think her name is Blessing. Yeah, she's so cute. Now, Bill did respond. That's, this is all I heard. The baby is cute. 
that means no, Pam. I'm not bringing home a babe. Translated. It's a message in tongues. You know, I just had to translate it. He did not waver at the promise of God. He did not waver at the promise of God. The promise of God was what? You shall be a father of multitudes. He did not waver at that promise. He didn't, he didn't shrink back through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. The promise will cause you to be delivered from corruption. And we need to be delivered from corruption. This is what corruption is. It, 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 made, it, it makes things inferior by errors or alterations. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were made inferior because they submitted to sin. Now, we talked about the corruption of this world, really, when we talked on Sunday, talking about sin and the dominion of sin in the world. Everybody say, in the world. But the Bible says we've escaped from that. Remember we read that? It's in Romans chapter 6. It says in verse um, 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves, just like Abraham, you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what you do in your part, my part, is to reckon ourselves. What does that mean? That means to act as though you were dead. The Bible, uh, in my Bible, it says that you've been rendered inoperative to live like a sinner. Isn't that good news? You say, well, then why do I do that? Because you're not living dead. Because you're not reckoning yourself to be dead. There's a part of us that has to say no. Could you all practice? Say that? No. Now, the power to live no, the power to live dead comes from the power, remember the divine power it talked about in Second Peter, that lives on the inside of us, that divine power that comes through Christ, that causes us to have everything that pertains to life and godliness. The devil wants to steal our lives. He wants to steal God's plan for our lives. And he cannot do it if we do not get in agreement. And the only place he can touch is your flesh and your mind. Once your spirit is born again, your spirit will never sin. In fact, your spirit, man, is the one that says, don't do that. And your mind says, why not? And your flesh says, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. We always do. I've always done that. You know, that's what your flesh says. And so when you get born again, the Bible says you have to renew your mind. Everybody say renew your mind. Let's look at Romans 12. Uh, and I, I just want to give you this scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because as we're renewing our mind, we look at the word of God because that's what renews our mind. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I'm so thankful because already you have done that in the worship. You didn't know it. We slipped it in. You sang it, and you're committed. Okay? Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Why does God want to renew our mind? Because your mind has to get in agreement with your spirit. Your mind is used to be in agreement with your flesh. And when your flesh says, I want this, your mind says, go ahead. But when your spirit comes alive, it says, don't do that. And then your mind says, why not? And then the promise comes. The promise comes. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh. Well, flesh, we're not going to smoke that pot because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Say the promise causes you to escape corruption. Now we can deliver by laying hands on people and commanding the devil out. That is never a problem. He is, has no authority and we do. Turn your name and say, I have authority. And so we're going to talk about that on Sunday. But the, the power of God is there to deliver. It's the walking out of the deliver, deliverance in your life that then becomes a decision. And until your mind gets renewed to the truth, you become a living sacrifice. You say, I am not going to submit to dead things. I am going to live a life in Christ. And I am going to be a person who is living dead. And to do that, I'm going to count on the promises of God. Are you getting this? Because does God want you to have victory? Absolutely. I'm going to show you that in a second too. But let's look at Ephesians 4. This, is, this will help you, especially if you're, you've just been coming for a while. You not, might not have ever heard this. There, there's an old man and a new man that exist within you. The old man wants to do what the old man did. Pretty simple, huh? The new man wants to obey God. The Bible says that the spirit and the flesh war against each other. And I want to read to you. It says, this I say to you, verse 17 of Ephesians 4, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Everybody say, that's the old man. That, that futility, if, if the mind has been trained, however old you are when you receive Christ, you've got that many years of your mind already trained to... Whatever you want to do is okay as long as it doesn't bother anybody else. Because that's pretty much the way the world lives today. As long as you're not hurting anybody else. But if you get addicted to something, then you don't even know what's hurting anybody else. Because the devil then has gotten such a hold on your mind. Everybody say your mind. Where the battlefield is. That's the battlefield. The mind makes the final decision to agree with the spirit or walk by the flesh. And that's what this scripture is about. Don't walk in the futility of your mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. How many of you, when you didn't know the Lord, didn't really have an understanding that the devil was stealing your life from you? You you just thought you were making mistakes, didn't you? No, there's an assignment against your life. From the day you're born, the devil wants to kill, steal, destroy, take you out. That's his assignment. That's all he's thinking about. And he will use whatever he can to do it. But if you die, if you know Jesus and you're dead in your flesh, when he comes, he can't find anything to hang on to. Whoop! Hallelujah. Amen. That's why Jesus said, when the devil comes for me, he will find no place. Read it. John chapter 14. He's not going to find a place. What was he saying? I am full of my father. And so when he comes for me, now it says in, in Hebrews 4 that he was tempted just like we are. But when the devil came, he found no place. If you're living dead, he won't find a place in you. But if you're living with your flesh, he's going to find that place. How many of you, I've experienced this in my life, a weakness. Just the other night, I was sitting on the couch and I thought, I'm just going to check this out. And the Lord said to me, don't do it. And I thought, well, this isn't even a big deal. He said, that's the past and don't check it. Because it's going to get a stronghold. I thought, what's the big deal? I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. I mean, I wasn't going to go kill anybody. I wasn't going to do anything, you know, like, I mean, I wasn't going to do something. I wasn't going to light up a cigarette like I used to because Pastor Bill's gone. I wasn't doing any of that. I just, I just was going to check something out that had happened that I'd heard about that I thought I'd just go back and see, you know, what that was about. He said, do not do it. 
and I didn't. But do you know that has come to me like a million times? Not a million, but I mean, it's come to me a lot. But you know what? The devil's trying to trick me. And if you live dead, you'll know that's a trick. And then there's this war. Well, what's the big deal? I mean, how can... And I'll get my computer out and go to do something else, and he'll say to me, why don't you check that out? And then I hear this little voice say, don't go there. Then I have to decide. I have to decide. I I could do it, but I'm not doing it because I've done that before. (laughs) How many of you have done that before? Don't laugh. I mean, I know you have, just like me. And then you have to undo what you just did. And it's a lot bigger fight to undo it than it is to not do it in the beginning. How many of you would agree? So that, that's the way this works. It says having their understanding dark and be alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling. Everybody say past feeling. That's what the devil's ultimate goal is. That you'll get past feeling or caring about what's going to happen if you do that. I am convinced of that. When I see young people making mistakes, I know they don't want to be in that place. Because I've been on the other side of it, trying to help them after they come to themselves. But, but, but what happens is the devil just keeps blinding them. So, but you have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned Christ. What's that mean? You don't know the promises. You haven't learned what Christ did for you. You don't know what you've got. You don't know what's been given. You don't know the weapons of your warfare. It says, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ, that you put off, what does that mean? Live dead concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your, spirit of your, why does it say renewed there? Because your mind makes the final decision. Your spirit man will never want to sin. It will never want to sin. And when you're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you have power not to sin. And that's why the Bible says you won't sin anymore. You know, and you think, well, I already did that. So, I'm, you know, that page is already over. No, you, you've made a mistake, but you cannot live in sin as a believer. You will have to walk away from God. You will have to get further and further and further away from him. And you will eventually be past feeling. Everybody say past feeling. That's called hardened heart in a believer. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God with true, in the true, in true righteousness and holiness. The world thinks that they have the answers. And they may have the answers for the world, but they don't have the answer for you. Jesus said in John John 17, 14 through 17, this is, put this up, would you, Sandy, because I want to really emphasize this. You are in the world, but you are not of it. And that's why you, you live dead. Because Jesus has moved you out of that, that control of, of corruption. He has caused you to escape through his promises. Through his promises. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Remember I said when the, when the devil came for Jesus, he could find no place? Turn to your neighbor and say, he won't find a place in me. See, he can't find a place in you unless you give him a place. And you won't give him a place if you live dead. No, you'll tell him, "Uh uh-uh, not this place. You're not coming in here. I have given them your word, and the world hates them. Would you go to verse 15? I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. How many of you say, I just wish God would get me out of this? Well, there's a graveyard full of people that are out. That's the only way out. 
There is a fight, a fight of faith that we fight as believers. And that fight is to live dead. It, it, the bottom line is to live dead. Take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. How do you stay away from the evil one? By the promises of God. Not by your strongness or your strength in your flesh. See, this is where I think a lot of believers have just fallen away. Because they get born again, and then they, they do all right maybe for a little bit, but then they fall back into that stuff they used to be in. And then the devil says, see, I told you. And then they, the devil says it like it's God. Yeah, you really disappointed God this time. And, and then we start to defend ourselves. Well, I tried. Everybody say, uh, that's a uh, wrong answer. Because if you could have done it, did you hear? If you could have done it, you would have already done it. You already tried and failed. Jesus became the answer. He was the promise, the promise of God. We did a musical years ago called The Promise, and the promise was Jesus. And when Jesus came, everything that he bought for you on Calvary, just like Lori said tonight, I, I just love watching all my kids do things for God because I think, wow, hallelujah. After all, it did work. You know, it did. I look at John, I look at Lori, and I see my son, Matt, who's now an usher out in Tulsa. And I, you know, they used to, especially my Matt, he used to say, Mother, this is a waste of money to send me to a Christian school. And I looked at him and thought, you are absolutely right. I don't know why I'm doing it. But now that I see him doing what God called him to do, that seed went in him. And when Lori said, all these things that are barriers, all those things that are barriers, Jesus took care of that. He took care of that. And so these promises, when you run into sickness, the promise that keeps you dead is the promise that says, by his stripes, I am healed. I was healed. I'm not going to be healed. I am healed. And when you start living the promises, then you escape corruption. There is no other answer. It isn't, I tried really hard, but I, you know, I, I just, the devil got me. Well, he didn't get you. You gave yourself. Oh, dear. I'll just move on so nobody gets mad. <laughs> you have to reckon yourself to be dead. Whoever lives in me will never die. That's what Jesus said. He said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. That's who I am. And whoever knows me has life. It's in John chapter 11 of Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. If you put that scripture up, you need to put this scripture down somewhere and underline it. It will help you stay in the right place. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Though he may die, he shall live. There will never be anything that will separate you from the power and the love of God and the ability to escape corruption. And I do believe, my husband has said to me, um, you know, and he does watch and, and he's very interested in what's happening in the world. Um, and, and he lets me know, but he said to me, this is, this is going to get rough. And, uh, I believe him, you know, uh, but I am not putting my head in the sand. We are about to see God be so big that everybody in the world will say that had to be God. That had to be God. And that's exactly what the world needs, is to see God be God. And so that doesn't make me want to go and cover my head. It just reminds me 
that God is about to be awesome. Because where there's evil, the goodness and grace of God. Where sin abounds, much more. It says in Romans chapter 5. Much more grace abounds. What is that? That's not our ability to good, do good. That's our ability to say, listen, I know that I look like a mess sometimes. But God has already decided that I have the victory. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory. And they'll look at you and say, you are, a, you are not only a mess, you're crazy. And you say, well, let me be crazy then because this is what God says about me. I want to show you these five things God gave me. And uh, they, they didn't come from me. I mean, he, he just dropped in my heart. Five ways to escape corruption. Number one, you will have to renew your mind. We talked about it, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You will have to renew your mind. You have to know the word of God because the word of God was made flesh. The word is Christ. It is Christ. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word has power to change you. Brother Copeland said, the word is the only thing that will discipline your life to bring you into the fullness of what God has for you. And I believe that. The word will discipline you. What does that mean? When the spirit of God comes in you and the word connects and the life of God comes, you are immediately convicted if you're going the wrong way. You say, well, I didn't know it. Well, then you didn't have enough word and you were not living dead. And I think if we're honest, we all know when we're turning the wrong way. How, how many of you? How many of you woke up and found out you were in the wrong place? Not very often. Not very often. There's always warning signs all along the way because the Holy Spirit is warning us. Number two, develop a habit of holiness. Now, when I read this, you know, I, I know that um, the Bible says, be you holy as I'm holy. So it's possible or God wouldn't tell us to do it. But I, Brother Copeland says this, and um, I just love it when my when this little faith, faith book runs right along with what God's teaching me. But it says, there's a dimension of living you can only experience when you make a decision to please the Father in every activity of your life. Holiness simply means to be separated to God. Now, that's exactly what happened when you got saved. You were separated because you were translated out of the world and the world system. It will not work for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that may be a new thought. Your job will not take care of you. You all need a job. You all need to be doing whatever God called you to be doing. You know, it is a job to stay home and take care of kids. In fact, that's harder than going to work, for those of you who haven't known that. It is a, it is a, it is a, 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 it's a work to take care of a home and a family. And so, you know, people who are trying to do that and work another job, you know, there's nothing wrong with hard work, though. There is nothing wrong with working. We're supposed to work. But... Your ability to live has nothing to do with your job. It has everything to do with your connection to God. You came alive when you knew him. So you're separated to God. It's what you do with your life day by day. It's ordering your conduct according to the word of God and the promptings of the spirit. Holiness is the habit of being one mind with God, of turning away from the ways of the world and living instead in agreement with him. That's exactly what we're talking about. And so I felt like God just gave me this today. We need to develop a habit of holiness. What does that mean? Live dead. Live dead. Don't listen to that voice that's going to take you down the wrong road. That is the old man. That is the old man that loves what it felt like, what it remembers it felt like. How many of you know when you remember what it felt like, it isn't really what it felt like, if you're really honest? That was a pit. Okay, then the next one is watch your language. Everybody say, watch your language. 
Now, I had a whole bunch of scriptures for this, but I have to share Proverbs uh, 3, 3. Could you put that up there, Proverbs? Yeah, I hope that's right. No, that's not. I knew that wasn't. What is that? Well, skip that one. Go to Proverbs 10, 19, because this is a good one. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Isn't that good? Now, the next one is um, Proverbs 29, 11. This is the one that God said to me, that's you and that's Bill. I didn't appreciate it a whole lot. A fool vents his whole feelings. That's me. But a wise man holds them back. Well, in the King James, New King James, it says a fool utters his whole mind. And God said, you might take note of that. Because you say too much sometimes. You know, have you ever said too much? Yeah. Just went a little too far with that. Got right out of God into me. You know, and and I couldn't, you know, it's hard to get back. But then it says, but a wise man in the King James, a wise man saves it for afterwards. Have you ever had your foot in your mouth, so to speak? That's when you spoke and said everything before you really had the whole, the whole thing in perspective. And so our words are critical. Watch your language. When you get born again or translate out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you have a new language. I can't just left. And I can just entered in to your life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the mind of Christ. I do not walk according to my flesh. I walk according to the spirit. There's a whole language that goes with covenant. We did a series once on covenant language. It's a language. It's the language of possibility. It's the language of hope. It's the language of freedom. And that's what we're talking about. That's what Calvary did for us. And then it says in the next one, um, that, well, it says in Proverbs 19, one, don't have a perverted mouth. Everybody say perverted mouth. A perverted mouth is when the dead speaks. When the living speaks, there's life. And then be thankful. Everybody say be thankful. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58, thanks be unto God. Everybody say thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. How do you get the victory? Through Jesus, through the promise through the promises you will never feel like doing the right thing until you have more of him in that area than you do yourself and you don't start like that when you come to God there's still going to be a part of you that wants to do all things I won't ask for a show of hands but how many of you know there's a part of you that tries to go over there it wants to go over there and then the devil says see you are there's something wrong with you you say, no, thanks be unto God who gives me the victory through Jesus. I am steadfast and movable, always abounding in the Lord. I'm walking with God today. I am not walking after the dead man. I am not going with the dead man. You say, well, this is getting a little hard to do. No, it's really not. If you're going to say something, say the right thing. How about that? If you're going to use words, use ones that will be productive in your life. It says that we're to thank God. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then it says, make all your requests known to God, your prayers, your supplications with, with, with thanksgiving. And last, give generously. Everybody say, give generously. The devil doesn't like to see people give. Never. Never. If you hear give, then you know that's God. Because if, if the devil hears that word, he'll, he'll try to scare you out of doing it. And we do. 
give everybody an opportunity in this church to give every Sunday. And we do talk about it. Why? Because everybody in this earth has to have money to function. We do. And in the kingdom of God, God designed a system for all the tithes to be brought into the storehouse because he said he needed meat in his house to do the things he wanted to do. It's, it's, it's in, that's, that's a system that we are in the world and we will have to use money. God does things supernaturally, but he uses money. And so we, we teach people every week in here, believe God for your cash. Believe God for the things you have need of, whether it comes in the form of money or it just comes. Believe God. If we don't teach people that, there's no principle in the world that's going to provide for them. Your job does not provide for you. Your job is seed. The money that comes from your job is seed to see God be everything that he wants to be. You say, well, that's a new thought. Then you begin to live your life free. Everybody say free. Because you are living dead. The only thing you are subject to is the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. And there is no lack. There is no lack in that. So give generously. It says in Proverbs 11, 24, 25, and we'll close with this. The general soul, generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Amen. Those five things, they're not the only things. But that's a good start for all of us. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to pray for you. I believe that God wants to set some people free here tonight. I believe that I believe we're going to see in these last days people delivered instantly, instantly from drugs, alcohol, all kinds of addictions. I believe there are going to be people delivered from oppression. How many of you know some people that they, they live oppressed? They live their life oppressed. You know, you can say, well, you know, that's not as bad as some things. I'm telling you, if you're oppressed, that's as bad as anything anybody's going to have. People living sick. People living full of fear. People living as though they have chains all around their life. What Lori said tonight, what is it that you need Jesus to be? I'm telling you, when you received him, he became that. Now, the revelation of that may not be real, real right now. And you say, but I've made lots of mistakes. Well, I can, I can promise you, God is not counting. There is somebody counting. It's the devil. And he reminds you of it all the time. But God isn't counting. Because in the kingdom where you now live, if you know Christ, God is your reward. He is your source. He is everything. And if you put your confidence in him and listen to him, he is not accusing you. My Bible says the devil is the accuser of the, of, the, of the brethren. That's people who know God. He is the one that's doing all the accusations. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.